Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Borba here, and you're listening to The Wind Column. Today, I have a special guest, Caden Jarvis. He's going to be helping me host the show and talking about everything you need to know about the NBA playoffs and offseason. Hey, everybody. How's it going? So we're going to tell you guys about the final series, which I would like to throw out that I did predict who was going to represent each conference. I just predicted the wrong winner, as the Raptors did win in four games of two. Caden, what were your thoughts on the series? Well, going into the series, I thought the Warriors were going to take it to them when it 4-1, easy. Maybe the Raptors were going to get a quick one at home. But overall, it was very surprising. Kawhi Leonard stepped up, and the Raptors had more than more, more than one person step up to the plate uh, when the Warriors really just had Curry and Clay. But I think the injuries for the Warriors were what, what cost them. It really was. Kevin Durant went down with, in Game 5 with a calf injury which that's what he originally had. He had suffered it earlier in the playoffs, and he felt healthy, and the team felt good enough about letting him play, so they let him come back, and sometime in the second quarter, when Serge Barco was guarding him, he went to make a move, and you can see it in slow motion. motion, His calf just pops, and sadly, that is the end of his season, and potentially the end of all of next season as well, as he suffered a torn Achilles, which is an injury that not a lot of people come back from, as a prime example would be Kobe Bryant, as soon as he came back from his Achilles, he was not the same, and it kind of signaled his decline in his career. Um, a lot of people say the only person to ever come back from an Achilles injury and be as good or even better than they were before was Dominique Wilkins. So it, hopefully, it'll be interesting to say what to see how good KD is when he comes back. Good thing he's semi-young and semi-new to the league, I guess. So overall in the series, Kawhi averaged 28 and a half points and was the finals MVP getting having 9.8 rebounds as the board man gets paid, as he says. He also averaged 4.2 assists, which is about one assist higher than his career average as he's usually only around three assists a game and he averaged two steals and one blocks per game. He did play 40 and a half minutes as the Raptors desperately needed him to not only carry them throughout but just be that constant guy that they could rely on as Danny Green was very spotty. Um, Fred Van Vliet did show up quite well. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, you know, they had five guys other than Kawhi Leonard average more than 10 points a game when the Warriors only had two guys other than Curry. So, you know, they have those role players step up. And that was crucial. Um, you could attribute one role players, specifically Fred Van Vliet, stepping up to the possible birth of his son. After May 20th, which was his son's birthday, or when his newborn son was born, Fred went from averaging four points a game to 15 points a game. I'm sure it doesn't have, I'm sure his son's birth doesn't have a direct effect on his play, but hey, maybe there's a secret to having a kid and being a better basketball player. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Anything to get the win. Um, I do think that Kawhi has successfully ended the Warriors dynasty. I don't think they'll be as good as they were, especially without Kevin Durant going to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I do think the Warriors will most likely be a middle-of-the-pack team next year as they do have their core three of Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, but they did lose a lot of depth, trading away Iguodala, Sean, releasing Sean Livingston. Um, they're going to be re- relying heavily on guys like Alonzo McKinney. Um, they lost Jordan Bell, Quinn Cook. Don't forget about D'Angelo Russell, though. They did get D'Angelo Russell, which is a big get for them, but a lot of people... A lot of people are saying that they're going to trade him as soon as Klay Thompson comes back. So we're really going to see how good the Warriors can be when it's just their big three. Um, Many of the league has gone away from having a big three, though, as everybody is now in duos. Um, A prime example would be Kawhi and Paul George, who both got traded to the Clippers. Um, Many people thought that Kawhi was going to sign with the Lakers or sign with the Raptors as they just won a championship, bringing Toronto their first championship ever. But that was not the case. Kawhi kind of pulled a fast one on everybody. And I don't know if anybody noticed, but he took a while to sign. And a lot of people are thinking that he waited that long so that way the Lakers couldn't sign any free agents because they were waiting out on him. Is he the ultimate chess player in the NBA now? I mean, that's usually LeBron's game. LeBron is usually the one that everybody thinks is playing chess while everybody else in the league is playing checkers. And I think Kawhi definitely... Checkmate of the king in this one. What are your expectations for the Raptors next season? Next season, I have the Raptors possibly going into the postseason as a two or three seed. Really? Even without Kawhi? Even without Kawhi. I don't see the East being 
anywhere near as good as what they were. Uh, the Bucks are going to be consistently good. They didn't lose anybody. They didn't gain anybody. Uh, the Sixers, I think, will have another good chance of coming out of the East. But after those two teams, I just see a giant drop-off. Not even the Celtics anymore. They they did pick up Kemba and Ennis Cantor, who, if nobody saw, wants to be the last one to wear number 11. I think that was a shot at Kyrie because he directly quoted what Kyrie said when his introduction day to the Celtics was among us. Yeah, but it, it all depends if Kemba can get on the Celtics' good side because we saw what happened when Kyrie and his teammates didn't get along. I think Kemba will be much more open to playing in a team and a team basketball and like system basketball. I think Kyrie was semi open to the system, but at the same time, when he felt that the t- the plays weren't working or the the guys who was supposed to shoot the ball wasn't hitting shots, that he just needed to take over and call the isolation, which. Kyrie is one of the best isolation players in the game. It's just, I think, if Kyrie is not only your best player, but your leader on the team, your team's in trouble. Because we've seen it two times now where he's been a leader of a young team, and the teams are often better without him. The Celtics made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they were one game away from making it to the Finals last season. Um, And when he left the Cavaliers, the first time they they were... fresh off a finals loss, but at the same time, when he was the only player on the Cavs, they went nowhere. They were abysmal at best. So right now we're going to give you guys our projections for the playoffs for next season. Um, we think that a lot of teams are going to emerge from a lot higher from than what they were this season, even if they were not playoff teams. I think a lot of the the moves the Pelicans have made will make them a possible playoff team. We'll see, but Caden's going to start us off with his West projections. So I have, coming out of the West as the one seed, the Clippers. I have the Clippers coming out of the, the West. I think Paul George and Kawhi, they're going to lock down defense with Patrick Beverly too. Uh, they got shooters with Landry Shamet. Um, what else do they have? Kawhi Leonard. I said Kawhi, Paul George. They have Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, Landry Lou Williams, and Montrose Hedrill. Yeah. And then they got sweet Lou Williams, who's uh, possibly, most likely, going to come off the bench again, even though he is good enough to be a starter and win his fourth consecutive sixth man of the year or something like that. Kevin, I got a question for you. Yeah, ask away. How is it possible that the Clippers can have two men up for six men of the year? When you have Lou Williams and Montrez, yeah, um, I'm guessing. I really don't know because you would think there there's five people that start the game. First person off the bench is the sixth man, so. One of them's got to be the seventh man. So I'm guessing Montrez Harrell would be the seventh man, or maybe the Clippers have a six A and a six B type deal going. I don't, I don't know. That's something that I really don't understand. Um, I don't know how you could have two six men on the same team, but. I'm really interested to see how high you have not only the Clippers, but the Warriors losing Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and just re- having to rely on D'Angelo Russell, who he did make an all-star team this year, which was a big step up for him because many people were thinking that he was a bust after he got shipped over from the Lakers to the Nets after the whole Nick Young, Iggy Azalea scandal. But do you really have that much faith in the Warriors? I do. Uh, we've seen uh, what D'Angelo Russell can do firsthand. Kevin and I went to the Sacramento Kings and the Nets last year, and D'Angelo Russell went off for 47, a career high, and then just took over in the second half and single-handedly put the team on his back. That was great. That was my first NBA game, and um, D'Angelo Russell was actually playing like trash the whole game up until that point. Uh, He went, I believe he scored 30 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, there was one point where he went to the hole, didn't get a call, kind of like threw the ball at the ref a little bit, so you could definitely see when he sparked up. He was definitely getting annoyed with the the lack of calls, but he was just going crazy. Every shot he took, he made, and it was honestly amazing because the Kings had a pretty substantial lead at that time, and D'Angelo Russell just put the team on his back. The The Nets, you could see, were not a veteran experienced team. They had veterans on the team like Ed Davis or Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Joe Harris, but like they didn't really have a guy that could take over for them. So D'Angelo Russell really proved that he could be that guy to take over. 
and lead that team to a win, which they did end up winning because the Kings, for some reason, let Marvin Bagley the third, who I'm sure will have a great career in the NBA, but they let him dribble when time was running out, and he dribbled it off his foot, which is not something you want to see with five seconds left. Five seconds left, you're going to give the ball to your power forward and try to make him do something when you have De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald on the court. Not the smartest move. Glad that Dave Yeager is out of Sacramento. Hopefully they have a coach sometime next year. Luke Walton is in some troubled waters with a a scandal, so we'll have to wait and see if he is cleared out of that or if they might have to look for a new coach. I haven't heard anything yet, so I'm assuming as of right now, Luke Walton is the coach for the Kings. It's a sticky situation that is unfortunate, but it's not called, it's, there's no place for that in the NBA. So what is the rest of your playoff predictions for that conference? So at the two seed, I have the Warriors. Uh, you know, we've seen Steph Curry, we've seen him play with Draymond and how they work well together. They're going to have Clay out for most likely the first half of the season. Maybe some of the second half of the season, but D'Angelo Russell is going to be there. Uh, I think him and Curry can work well together. It'll either be a huge bust or a huge boom. Okay. I think there's e- it's either one or the other. No in I'm, between. I'm leaning towards the boom. Okay. I ha- actually have the Warriors as my. Oof! I'm having to scroll a long way to find them. I have them as my fourth seed. Actually, my sixth seed, I don't believe in the Warriors anymore just because they, if you don't remember, they lost to, they gave up a 3-1 lead to LeBron. They then signed Kevin Durant. They had only won one championship, whereas Curry, Clay, and Draymond. And let's remember that the Cavaliers, which I will admit, I'm a LeBron fan, but I'm not being a homer. I think Caden will attest to this too. LeBron was literally playing with scrubs. LeBron had a lineup of himself, Timofey Mozgov, Amon Shumpert, Matthew Delavadova, scrubs like that, and you really can't expect him to win any games, which they did push the Warriors to as far as they could go. Um, LeBron was just putting the team on his back, and it was just not enough. So I don't think the Warriors have actually really proven to be that good without Kevin Durant. They did go on to win the most games in NBA history the following year, but they, they blew a 3-1 lead. So are they really that good, or was it... Kevin Durant, just that much of a force. We're going to see how good Steph Curry is by himself for a while. Um, We'll see if he could go back to his unanimous MVP form. I don't think he will, certainly just because Jonas Antetokounmpo is taking over the league right now as he won his first MVP. Um, James Harden is also someone that's been contending for MVP quite frequently. And honestly, I think this is a shot for the Rockets to take take their shot at the number one spot in the West. Um... My West, I have the Clippers, number one. I just think that they have the best defensive team in the league with Patrick Beverly starting at the one, Kawhi and Paul George, who are known for the be- being great on-ball defenders. So when you have three of the best on-ball defenders in the league, um, they have Montrez Harrell coming off the bench, who's also a great defender, a hustle guy. So it'll be real interesting to see how good they are. I have the Portland Trailblazers at number two. I know Caden doesn't agree with that, but the Trailblazers haven't really lost anybody. They did lose Seth Curry, but they they gained Hassan Whiteside. I don't know if that's going to be a big deal for them, but they are missing Gurkic for a big portion of the season. But they'll be getting him back eventually, so it'll be good to see how far they could go. They basically they essentially ended the Thunder dynasty, which it wasn't really a dynasty, but they ended what the Thunder had with Damian Lillard's clutch shot at the at the end of the series to put the dagger in the the Thunder. Um, after them, I have the Lakers. As the third seed, I think that LeBron with Quinn Cook, Danny Green, and all the shooting that they have around him and Anthony Davis, not to mention they did get Anthony Davis. They traded away basically their whole team and a lot of picks. But, hey, you got to do what you got to do. LeBron's in win-now mode, and you kind of want to make him happy. Um, Anthony Davis is just now entering his prime, and he never really had the support he needed in New Orleans. So that'll be interesting. And my fourth seed, which Caden disagrees with me, but I think that everybody is sleeping on this team, the Utah Jazz. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that the Jazz, I have them as a seven seed. As a seven seed because they, who'd they get? They got one, one guy, right? They got Mike Conley. They got Mike Conley. They traded away Grayson Allen, who is possibly, possibly going to be a... Uh, 
contender for a top bench spot. Um, I thought you were going to say dirtiest player of the year. I oh. feel like he's always in the contention for that. That's but. true. That, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, they, I just see them as a run-of-the-mill, never going to go anywhere unless they do something drastic. I definitely think that the addition of Mike Conley will be the difference between them like barely scraping the bottom of the West to them being at the top of the West. Um, Mike Conley is one of the best defensive point guards in the league. He's also a great three-point shooter, which if you, which I'm sure a lot of, not a lot of you watch Utah Jazz games just because the Jazz, but they do have a flourishing young player named Donovan Mitchell, um, but he was forced to take a lot of shots that I don't think he wanted to take. I'm sure, actually, I'm sure he wanted to take them, but he shouldn't have been taking them. So I think Mike Conley taking the ball out of his hands and not not allowing him to be the dominant ball handler is will be great for Donovan's career as he could slash to, through the paint and also just spot up and shoot as he's a semi-decent shooter. They also have one of the best defenders in the league in Rudy Gobert. So they have Conley and Gobert, who are great defensive players. Joe Inglis, who's also a great defensive or a great shooter. I think the Jazz are a team that's being slept on that a lot of people are going to be surprised by just because nobody really watches the Utah Jazz. So I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I do think we're going to see a lot of alley-oops coming out of Utah. Oh, yeah, with Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert, is I mean, he's a seven-footer, so naturally he could dunk. But Donovan Mitchell's a high flyer, let me tell you. It's going to be like Lob City with, with the L.A., but just not as good. It'll be Lob City in the Mormon state. <laughs> so who was your fourth seed? So, like you, I have the Lakers at three. I have the Blazers at four. Why do you have them not like in the second seed or the, possibly even the first seed? Well, I think they're going to be really good. I think the top four of the West are going to be all fighting for that top seed. You think it's going to be with, within like five games by the end of the season? Yeah. Okay. Just, just the four. Just I, the four see, of them? I see like a, a small drop-off coming into the five seed. But the Blazers, uh, Damian Lillard, we all know how clutch he is, how good of a player he is. Uh, C.J. McCollum, also a great compliment. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, like you said, I feel like they're going to finally get the, the rim protector, the athletic center that they needed. They also got to retain Rodney Hood, which a lot of people are doubting Rodney Hood because of his stint with the Cavs, but Rodney Hood's a nice shooter, a good defender, someone who could score and go get a bucket. I think that'll be beneficial for them. He's a good fourth best player. Yeah. You don't want Rodney Hood to be your number one or two. Oh, definitely not. No. If you're, Rodney Hood's number one or two, blow the team up. <laughs> yeah, it's time to rebuild. That. It's time to rebuild. So who do you have after the Trailblazers? So at the five, I have the Rockets. I agree with that. Because I don't think Russell and Harden are, are going to play as well as they think they are. Russell and Harden, in my opinion, are going to be more of a disaster than Harden and Chris Paul. I say that because James Harden wants to have the ball in his hands at all times. There was a streak in the season where he had all all of his points were unassisted, so that means he was driven the ball down the court in the ISO and scoring himself, no, not needing a, anybody to pass it to him or get him open. Um, and if he did pass it, it was just for them to pass it back to him so he could dribble some more. Uh, Chris, or excuse me, Chris Paul is on the Thunder now. We'll see how long that lasts. But Russell Westbrook, who they've played together before in Oklahoma City, but there's a big difference between the dynamic then and the dynamic now. They uh, weren't both superstars in that. They were both? No, exactly. Uh, James Harden was a six-man on that team, surprisingly, and the reason he came to the Rockets was to not be the six-man because he felt he was better, which he proved to be a lot better as he won an MVP and has proven to be one of the best scorers in the league. I just don't think that James Harden having the ball in his hand at all times is going to do anything for Russell Westbrook as he's probably he's statistically one of the worst shooters in NBA history, not even in the league, in the NBA history. So when you have a team that wants to live and die by the three and you possess one of the worst shooters in NBA history, that's, that's detrimental to the team. And plus, Russell Westbrook being there is going to take away shots from other players like your Eric Gordons of the world, your P.J. Tuckers of the world, like Austin Rivers which those aren't all high-volume shooter guys, but those are guys that could go and get you a three. Russell Westbrook's going to want the ball in his hands. He's going to want to dribble the ball down the court. We just don't know if they they can make it work. Mike D'Antoni, the coach, is a great offensive guru, but we'll see how great of an offensive guru he is. This will put him to the test. Coming behind the Rockets at the 60, all right, this is a little bit of a reach. I have the Kings. 
Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. I'm about to call him out. I called him out prior to this episode, just because Caden. If you guys will learn next week when we do our college football episode, Caden is a huge Oklahoma University fan, and many teams with Oklahoma University players are teams that Caden sees a lot in. But okay, so the Kings, right? Very young. Very young. Very young. Mm-hmm. But De'Aaron Fox, one of the most electric point guards in the league, was up for uh, most improved player. Can't shoot. He's getting there. Okay, okay. continue, continue. Uh, Buddy Heal, who is one of the best shooters in the league. Can't really dribble. No, you don't need if he catch and shoot. Okay, okay. Right. I'm just giving you a hard time. Three, uh, at the three, Harrison Barnes. I mean, he's better than who they had last year with Justin Jackson. But I, th- I, need, I need them to get a three. I need them to get a solid guy who can play defense and score who's not... You don't. You don't think he was worth that ninety million dollar contract? No, no. He's gonna have to put that all that money into a, like some high tech wheelchair for next year. <laughs> Total Harrison Barnes is. Uh, I like Giles and Bagley together. I like the way they work. I think if Giles and Bagley too, if they both developed a shot, they would be so beneficial for the team. Just because they both play like they're centers, but neither of them are really centers in my opinion. Um, if anything. They're both power forwards, but Bagley is definitely bigger than Giles. So if they want to play with a small lineup that's athletic and can run the floor, it's definitely got to be Giles at the four and Bagley at the five because Bagley's bigger and probably and he's more he's stronger than Giles. But I think Harry Giles is a player that will be in contention for most improved. I'm gonna say that right now. Um, probably an um, probably an unpopular opinion among the public just because not a lot of people have heard of him. He was actually ranked higher than Jason Tatum when they were coming out of their high school, senior years, when they both went to Duke. But um, two torn ACLs are injuries that have prevented Harry Giles from really flourishing and being the player that he he can be and that none of us have really seen from him unless you followed him in high school. Even Jason Tatum acknowledged that he was much better than him. So for someone who's already been a proven, eh, semi-proven star in the league, I think it speaks volumes on how good Harry Giles could be. Um, Marvin Bagley was a force at Duke. Um, I don't think he'll ever have that effect in the NBA just because the NBA is not really a it's not a big man's league anymore and he plays like a big man so if he kind of merges into a like a larger smaller small forward role or maybe that point forward like Giannis or LeBron type player um, I think that could be beneficial for him so he's going to need to tighten his handle up and maybe start hitting some shots from anything further than 10 feet that'd be great Uh, I think it all depends too on Luke Walton. Luke Walton coming into the season when he or coming into the when he got hired said we're gonna be shooting a lot of threes. So you know that sparks well with Buddy Heald, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's a consistent shooter. He. He's definitely a consistent shooter. It's a difference between a shooter and a maker. Yeah. He. He's iffy. If he's hot, he's hot. If he's cold, he's cold. But he's still gonna try and shoot. Hey, but if he touches the ball, he's shooting it. So. Yeah. If if you want someone like if you want to talk about a black hole, forget Carmelo Anthony. It's this guy. This guy every time he touches the ball is putting it up. It doesn't matter where he's where he's at. Yeah. Um, come. I th- I think he won't start. I think it'll be Giles and Bagley, but Bielitsa will be coming off the bench. Are you a Bielitsa fan? No. Okay, I was gonna say I don't. I can't really think of any Bielitsa fans out there. I've never seen a Bielitsa jersey, but I'm still waiting on that day. So at my sorry, my sixth seed, I got the Warriors. As I said before, I don't think that they'll be as good as they were last year. They lost a lot of key players off the bench, like Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Um, they did pick up Willie Cauley Stein from the Kings. Speaking of the Kings, so that'll be a beneficial center. Um, it's ironic that he is replacing, or I don't know if he's really replacing. Demarcus Cousins didn't do much for the the Warriors, but. The Kings drafted Willie Cauley-Stein when they had Boogie, and then they got rid of Boogie. So, in a way, he's replacing him twice in his career now. Um, he has the ability to run the floor and play, be that rim protector. Um, he's definitely more athletic than Boogie, which he'll fit the mold of the Warriors because they're a run-and-gun type offense. But I still don't – I think their lack of depth will definitely hinder them. Um, they drafted Jordan Poole out of Michigan, which is a shooter, but he kind of kind of reminds me of Nick Young. Like all he did, all he does is really shoot. I don't know if he could defend that well. So he's definitely gonna have to buy into the defensive side. But he played under the great coach John Beeline at Michigan, who is now the coach of the 
Cleveland Cavaliers. So he definitely does have the work work ethic to be better. I just we'll, we'll just have to see how good of a coach Steve Kerr is. I think this will be the first year where Steve Kerr will actually have to coach and draw up plays. Um, usually he could just say, "Hey, give it to Steph, give it to Clay, give it to give it to one of our five All Stars," and that's not something that they'll be able to do this year. And they'll definitely be weaker on the defensive side. Um, D'Angelo Russell is. A great offensive player. He's a great scorer, great facilitator. Steph Curry, same thing, great offensive player. Draymond Green is a great defender as he's won Defensive Player of the Year. But other than that, um, they are going to struggle at the def- on the defensive side at the guard position. Uh, usually Steph Curry was able to be hidden by Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. With his defensive inability, they could pick up the point guard and he could just go guard the most irrelevant player on the other team. And that's not something we're going to see anymore. Steph Curry's definitely going to have to be guarding people. So he's definitely going to either get exposed or he's going to be emerge as a decent defender. Now, if they trade D'Angelo, how late do you see them trading? Oof. I think D'Angelo being traded will definitely come down to the trade deadline. I don't know exactly what day that is, but I know that's in the middle of the season, somewhere around the All-Star break. I just don't know how long Clay's going to take to come back. A torn ACL is not a, an injury you want to play with. It's definitely an injury that could affect your career. Um, a lot of people have had career-changing torn ACLs, career-ending ACL injuries. But with the modern medicine we have today, a lot of people are projecting Clay to be back by the middle of the season. So if he's back before the All-Star break, I see him, D'Angelo Russell, getting traded. Um, I don't think they should trade him. I think it would kind of fit the mold of that small ball that lineup they have. Um, they could have Curry... At the one, D'Angelo at the two. A lot of people don't know this, but D'Angelo was actually a two guard in high school before he was forced to switch to the one at Ohio State. And Clay could run the three, Draymond on the four, and then Willie Cauley Stein the five. I think that would be a very interesting lineup. Um, I just think that the Warriors dynasty is kind of over. Um, they do have great players left over. Not saying that they're gonna like plummet to the bottom of the West, but I don't have them going much higher than the sixth seed. I have them. At best, being the four seed. What are some likely spots you think D'Angelo would go for? Who do you think they could get for him? See, I always thought he was going to go back to the Lakers. But now that the Lakers traded for AD, they literally have nothing to trade. So unless the Warriors want to take back Quinn Cook and maybe Alex Caruso, like it's definitely not going to be the Lakers. So I think the Timberwolves were a team that need a point guard. They have Jeff Teague. They had Derrick Rose. But Derrick Rose is now with the Detroit Pistons, which will be an interesting team in the East. And Jeff Teague is not really someone you want to be your starting point guard, I guess. he's a He'll suffice, I guess. He's going downhill. He's on the back end of his career. He's definitely the best Teague brother in the league, yeah. which I don't know if that's saying much. Um, but I think the Timberwolves are a team to look out for. They're a team that a lot of people have high expectations for, but they kind of keep disappointing everybody with Carl Anthony Towns not looking like he's the best player. Um I think it's funny that the Timberwolves are struggling this much, not to make fun of them, but when I heard that Jimmy Butler beat their starters with a team of scrubs, like a team of team of guys off the bench, like he basically looked at me and Caden, guys like us, and we're like, hey, like, let's go play these guys, and they beat them. So I don't know if that just shows how competitive Jimmy Butler is or if it shows how many issues the Timberwolves have. I know they have Andrew Wiggins, who is definitely not living up to the hype, that was a rough draft class. I don't even know what year that was, but him and Jabari Parker, yeah, rough draft class. Bust. bust. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that the Warriors would probably get Andrew Wiggins in this trade. Not that that would be beneficial or extremely beneficial, but, hey, maybe playing with great players is something that Andrew Wiggins needs. Um, I don't think he could be even the second best player on your team. Otherwise, you're in trouble. I also see him going to the Suns. The Suns with Devin Booker and D'Angelo Russell. Um, Devin Booker has never really had that running mate that could help him not only handle the ball but score. They did draft DeAndre Ayton with the number one overall pick last year, so it'll be interesting to see what he turns into. He Devin Booker himself said that Ayton and Booker are the next Kobe and Shaq. Um, I don't think they'll ever be that good just because Devin Booker could easily score 60 points, but the Suns cannot easily win over 20 games. Uh, so you think they should shop him for a, a three, a small forward? Yeah, I definitely think that Clay could play the small forward, but I don't think he fits that. I don't think he fits that. Like he is a great defender, but once he gets older, because Clay, I think Clay and Curry are warriors for life. Like they're a lifetime warrior. I don't think you'll ever see them in another uniform. 
other than Golden State, unless it's like a, a Vince Carter type thing and they just want to travel the world and play for different teams. I don't see them ever leaving the Warriors. So I kind of think that you need a young small forward to not only help them out on the defensive end and the offense, like scoring wise, but you need someone that could somewhat protect Curry and can allow Clay to guard their best player and still have someone guard his man. Because if you have Draymond on who should be guarding Clay or Cl- who Clay should be guarding and Clay's guarding who Curry should be guarding, who's Curry going to guard? You want Curry on small forward or a shooting guard that can shoot lights out? Like, Shooting forwards in this league are getting a lot bigger. I think of Chris Middleton. I think of Buddy Heald. Like guys that are bigger than Steph Curry. And Steph Curry, LeBron, LeBron yeah, exactly. LeBron might play some, get some time at the the one. So, I mean, if you want Steph Curry guarding LeBron, I want Curry guarding I'm sure LeBron would love that. Yeah. Um, Steph Curry has always been known for not being a good defender. It's not that he doesn't try. It's just his lack of size and strength is something that really hinders him on the defensive end. If you don't remember in the 2016 finals, the Warriors and the Cavs were going at it, but the Cavs had a simple offensive game plan. Run the pick and roll, and whoever was guarding Curry gets the ball. Because you, liter- you literally don't want Curry on the ball handler because he's going to get out-muscled or he's just going to get blown past by. He's going to reach, get a foul on him. Exactly, and you, yeah. can't, you can't have Curry, especially with their lack of depth this year, you cannot have Curry picking up fouls. Do you think... This is on all the superstar teams. So your Kawhi Leonard's of the world, Paul George, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Steph. Do you think there's going to be a lot of um, sitting now that there's duos rather than uh, super teams with three great players? I think, I think what they're going to try and do is always have one of them on the floor as long as possible. Okay. Uh, obviously, both are going to start. I, I could see them maybe come one of them coming out, like maybe – the Kawhi Leonard-Paul George duo. Paul George coming out to end the first quarter. I definitely see the Clippers utilizing it the most because they were a playoff team without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So they're only going to get better. So I definitely think they have the ability to just be like, oh, Kawhi, you you have a you have a lower back pain today? Okay, we'll sit this one out. Yeah. LeBron's always going to utilize the the sitting out, the, the resting. Yeah, his resting periods that he likes to have. <laughs> yeah, I just think that he's getting up there in his age and – which I don't think the Lakers are going to be against resting him just because they need to have him for the for their whole season in the playoffs. Um, he suffered this season. He suffered a groin injury, which is not common for LeBron. Usually, he's known as the invincible guy that never gets hurt. And we actually saw that he was human this year. Are we ever going to see Chris Paul and LeBron James on the same team? I hope not. Um, Why? I think Chris Paul. This is, I don't know if this is considered a hot take because I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me. Chris Paul has one year left in the NBA. Wow. One, one good year or one, one year? One season left in the NBA. Really? Depending on how he plays, um, he has no place on the Thunder. Uh, in the the Clippers trade, they acquired Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's a mouthful. Um, out of Kentucky, uh, he really played well for the Clippers. He wasn't really in the running for Rookie of the Year. I think it's just someone not a lot of people paid attention to because of that West Coast bias. A lot of West Coast teams do not get the – the shine that they get because all the games they play are at 10 o'clock, which is something that needs to be changed on the East Coast. Schedule the East Coast games on a different day. Schedule the West Coast games like at a different time. A lot of people are missing out on the talent that we have over here on the West Coast just because when they play the games, it's at 1030 at night over there. It's at midnight. Like A lot of people are missing it. So I think Chris Paul, at best, will just be a mentor for players like Shea Gilgis, Hammy Diallo. Um, and player like Steven Adams, I think he's just going to be like that old guy that helps out. Um, I think... You think he's going to turn into like Carmelo Anthony where they're going to get rid of him in the middle of the season next year? And- Honestly, nobody nobody wants him, really. The Heat were like the only team that were in contention for trading for Russell Westbrook besides the Rockets that I really thought would make a move, and they didn't. And I thought they would kind of go after CP3 to help them with they have Tyler Hero, um, Bam Adebayo, but they were satisfied with having Justice Winslow run the one. So I don't think Chris Paul really has a place in the NBA anymore, which is sad for he'll definitely be a future Hall of Famer. I don't think he will ever be on a championship team, much like Carmelo Anthony. I think he will be out of the league by next year, if not by the middle of the season. 
See, I think people are overlooking him because of the fact that he was on the Rockets and he didn't get the ball that much because of Harden. If he has, if he could run the the actual point position, mm-hmm. facilitate the ball. I mean, we saw what he did with Blake and DeAndre, but I mean, they always ran into the Warriors in the postseason. So right, but if you're the th- if you're the Thunder, what are you gonna do? With, are you gonna let him stunt the growth of Shea Gilgis Alexander? And they have Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench. Who no, could you trade him? You trade who? Chris Paul. Oh, yeah, easily. I thought you were going to say trade Shea Gilgis. I was no. like, why would you do that? No, okay. Yeah, I agree with that. You def- Chris Paul, do you see him being on Thunder by the trade deadline? No. I don't see him being on the, on the Thunder in, what, February? Maybe even January? Really? Yeah, I mean. Is he going to play a game for the, the OKC Thunder? Because the, I believe the season starts around October. Do you think he's going to be on the Oklahoma City Thunder by that first game? By the first game, yes. Hopefully not. <laughs> for your sake or for the Thunder's sake? Well, I, <laughs> for, for my sake and for Chris Paul's sake. I mean, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be somewhere where he can win. But could the, the Thunder also be a dark horse playoff team if no. they keep him? No? No. Really? No. Uh, I definitely think they will be a team of the future. They acquired about... The last time I saw, with all the trades they had completed, trading trading away Grant, uh, Chris Paul, or trading for Chris Paul, uh, getting getting rid of Russell Westbrook, they've acquired around fifteen future draft picks. Yeah. Which, uh, the draft for a whole new team. Yeah, exactly. The draft is something that you either hit or you miss. Like, not everybody's gonna be a superstar, but a guy could be a great role player. Which, I don't think that the Thunder need any more great role players. They're literally just a team of great role players. Um, so I do think they need like a definite hit. Like they need to find, cause they're trading with teams who are good. So if they're going to end up where these teams are, they're most likely not going to be near the top of the playoffs. But Hey, if you have quantity over quality of picks, they'll be able to trade up. Hopefully maybe get future stars. Like, I don't know, like a Cole Anthony, a LaMelo ball, um, even further down the line, a Bronny James, uh, Mikey Williams, but they definitely, are they're drafting at this point they're gonna st- need to start scouting freshmen in high school and like seventh graders because all these future picks are way down the line so they need to they need to pick up some young talent i think it'll be interesting who they get but moving on from the thunder i who did you who, where do we leave off of the we sixth with my kings and then we okay so i had the warriors at six one two three four five six seven the nuggets i have at seven um, they were the two seed last year, in which I don't really know how this happened. They yeah, were no they were battling for the West, like the top seed the whole time in the West, and I was really surprised. Um, they just have like a they just have Jamal Murray and Nik- Nikolai Jokic, Jokic, yeah. Which they do they do have a sleeper who I think will be. I don't know if he'll be rookie of the year with a Ben Simmons type redshirt season, but Michael Porter Jr. is someone to look out for. I definitely think that he could be, he could possibly form a big three with Murray and Jokic, and they also have young players like Jared Vanderbilt, who I think possibly could make an impact. He's also on a red shirt season, so the the Nuggets are just out here picking up red shirts. They did draft Bull Bull, which Caden was very excited about. Bull Bull, he had him being a top ten pick. No, top fifteen. You had him in the top. So. I, I had him probably top twenty. I think he slid, slid down. Slid. He, but he for good reason. He fell off a cliff. For a good reason. Yeah, he he's definitely needs to bulk up. I think that he'll be on a red shirt season. I believe he's coming off a broken foot, which is not something you want to see in a seven footer. But he needs to bulk up. Um, I looked it up the other day. Me and Caden were talking about it. Um, he weighs less than Clay Thompson does. To put that into reference, Clay Thompson is a shooting guard who's about six five, six six. Weighs about 215. Bull Bull, uh, online, they have him listed at 208. So he definitely needs to thicken up. I think he'll have... At probably 7 foot 2. Yeah, he, he's definitely way too small. Um, He definitely fits the mold of what the league is nowadays. It's shooting the three, running the floor. Um, There's just a lot of people that question his attitude, his desire to play basketball. I just think that he's a, a mysterious person that not a lot of people of us hear from. So we automatically assume that we don't. He doesn't care, but there has been a lot of people question his effort just because there's times where he's not running the floor. But I think one now that he's in the NBA and he'll definitely get an opportunity to play. I think 
they'll be able to hide him at the four, which is surprising because he's seven foot two. But when you have Nikolai Jokic, who's about 300 pounds, who is one of the best facilitating big men in the league, meaning he could pass the ball really well, I think that that'll be beneficial for Bull Bull as he'll be able to be that stretch four that could stand behind the three-point line and jack up threes, which is how he plays, which is not really how you want your center to play, but that's that's how he'll he'll flourish, I think. We're going to see some giants in the league next year. Oh, yeah, easily. Boban. Boban, Bull Bull. Taco. Taco Fall, I think I think he should make the Celtics. They got to give him a chance. When you're seven foot seven. Can, yeah, it can slap the State Farm logo that holds the hoop up. Yeah, when you can slap the stanchion on the hoop, like you're, you got to get at least a shot. But moving on, who did you have at the six? Who did you say? Uh, at the Kings at six, the Jazz at seven, and then the Nuggets at eight. Okay, so I had the Nuggets, and then the Pelicans at seven, and then the Mavericks at yeah. I have them at the nine. I believe in the Pelicans. I'm on the Zion hype train, like many people are. And they have basically the Lakers' whole roster. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so they picked up Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram. They drafted Zion, and they also drafted a great young center out of Texas named Jackson Hayes, who's very athletic. So they're going to have definitely one of the most athletic teams in the league. Um, they also have a veteran shooter in J.J. Redick. They have a veteran big man in Derek Favors. They have, honestly, one of the deepest teams in the league. I just think it'll be a matter of... Players like Lonzo being healthy, Brandon Ingram staying healthy. Um, Zion Williamson's going to have to shed some weight. He definitely looked out of shape in the one summer league game he played. Coach Mike Strzeski of Duke, the great Coach K, said that Zion should never have played in summer league just because he was out of shape. So he's definitely going to have to be in shape. I think a lot of people are harping on him like I am right now. But I, I think when you go from playing college basketball all year and then all of a sudden, you you know you're going to be the number one pick, so you have no need to work out for any teams. And then, like, you're at going to all these award shows. Like, you, you may skip the gym a couple of days. It happens. It happens to the best of us. So I'm not going to hold it against Zion. He's definitely a freak of nature, and I just have a lot of faith in the Pelicans. I feel bad for Zion. I feel like people are putting unrealistic standards on him. They call the, the draft lottery the Zion sweepstakes. This guy's coming into the league with so much pressure. And even if he has a good year, and if it's not an amazing year, people are going to talk down on him. And he's just a 20-year-old kid coming into the league. I have to ask you this question because I I laughed when I heard David Griffin say this, but it, are the New Orleans Pelicans Drew Holiday's team? No. <laughs> no. You don't draft Zion with the number one overall pick. Uh, potential the next LeBron James, as many people are calling him, unless you're Anis Cancer, who called him... A Julius Randle with hops, but that's let's be real. Let's not listen to Ennis Cantor. Um, I do think Zion has the ability to be a LeBron James type player. Like LeBron James, he does not have a great three point shot or honestly a jump shot at all. He's been surviving off running people over and just being a a guy who slashes to the hoop. We haven't seen this athleticism come out of anybody since Blake Griffin. Really, we saw what Blake Griffin did his first. Two, three years in the league with Chris Paul throwing him lobs. Now we're going to have Lonzo Ball and uh, Drew, Drew Holiday and throwing lobs to Zion. Lonzo's a great alley oop passer. He is a great passer. Zion even said that he looks forward to playing with Lonzo because he's an old school point guard who wants, he's a pass first. I don't even, he, can't shoot. he really can't shoot. He needs to work on that shot. But hey, they have Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball, which I think will honestly be. Besides Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, probably the best defensive duo in the league. So they'll probably be the second best defensive duo in the league. Not to get any confusion or backlash, I do not think they are better than Kawhi and Paul George, but I do think they are better than majority of the other league, majority of the league when it comes to defense. I just think that Zion has the hype. He has the ability. Um, people want to play with him. I think that he'll carry the, the or at least help the Pelicans get to a seventh seed spot. And then at the eighth seed, I have a dark horse, the Dallas Mavericks. They have Rookie of the Year, Luka Doncic, and another great European player in Kristaps Porzingis, which they acquired from the Knicks and re-signed this summer. Coming off an injury. Coming off an injury, but I do think that Kristaps has never had a player on his team as good as Luka Doncic, and Luka never really had someone to help him out like Kristaps, so they might be a dark horse. I mean, they could slide up. At, the, at most, I have them being... A fifth seed. 
Yeah, I don't have him making the playoffs. I don't think. I don't think. Luke really? Carry. I think Kristaps is going to have a rough year just coming off that injury. Kristaps um, is an injury prone. I'll give you that. But if he could stay healthy, I'm. I think he'll have a better chance staying healthy because he's never really had someone who could kind of take over the team and not have to rely on him so much. So I think Luca will definitely carry some of the burden that Kristaps was having to carry in New York. You disagree with that? No. Who's your eight seed? My eight seed, I had the Nuggets. The Pelicans at nine, Mavs ten, and then just a bunch of scrubs after that. The bottom of the West is really bad. Bottom of the West will be terrible. I noticed both of us have the Timberwolves out of the playoffs. Okay, let me give you a scenario. Clay comes back well before the All-Star break. Let's say a month before the All-Star break. I don't know if that's likely. Torn ACL is a serious injury. And the Warriors trade D'Angelo Russell to the Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins and, say, Robert Covington, who's a great 3 and D guy. I don't know how that works out salary cap-wise, but let's just say do the Timberwolves make the playoffs with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns and players like Josh Kogi, a great young defender? Not in, not in today's league. Really? Maybe three years ago, but today when you got all these power duos, power trios, especially in the West. You don't think they could be a power duo? No. We haven't. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is good. He's an all-star. I don't see him being a superstar top five player in the league. Wow. So not even with... Okay, another scenario. They're going to need somebody else. Say the Suns get D'Angelo Russell. Same scenario. Clay comes back. Suns get D'Angelo Russell. I like that. Do you think they make the playoffs? With a core of Russell, Booker, and Aiton? It depends how late he comes back. What did you say? All-star break? Yeah. You think they'll be too... I think they'll be too far behind. Maybe they can squeeze in the eight seed. I really like Monty Williams. Uh... We haven't seen much of what he can do, but I think he's going to be a great coach for young guards and, you know, run-of-the-mill run guys. Like, um, who are their role players? Who do the Suns have as the three and the four? Oh, the Suns, they they have a lot of people. Let me... Here's the roster for the Suns. Thanks. Did Siri give it to you? Siri, Siri gave it to me. Okay, that works. I didn't even say hey Siri or anything. Who they got? Who they got? They got Michael Bridges. Okay. Booker. Ilio Kobo, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome, a good young point guard out of Virginia. Yeah. Um, I do think that either Jerome or Ricky Rubio will go in the trade, though. I don't think that if they're trading for D'Angelo Russell, I don't think there's a need for Rubio or I hate to say it, I don't think there's a room for Ty Jerome unless, which he'll probably just be a bench player anyway, a role player off the bench. I think you can get more out of Ty Jerome than you can get out of Ricky Rubio. Yeah, I definitely think Ricky Rubio has peaked. Um, he's he's proven that he could be a... Mm, I don't even know what to call him. It was a low peak. It was a low peak, yeah. It was like a... Ricky Rubio was like a an anthill at best. No, I'm just kidding. He, he could be a point guard that can facilitate the ball, which point guards should, but he can't shoot. Um, for being someone who had a lot of hype when he was drafted, a lot of people thought he was going to be like the next Steve Nash or a next, like... A lot of people thought he was going to be a great point guard. Let's just say that. And Where are those people at now? I have no idea. They're probably in Phoenix with rookie Rubio jerseys, following him, hoping that he's going to flourish one day. Maybe, maybe if he changes his hairstyle one more time, it'll, that'll be the... They're going to be waiting for a long time. That'll be the solution, changing their hairstyle. So moving on to the East, Caden, you want to start us off? Okay, so in the East, I have the Sixers winning, winning the East. Um, I think, I just think they're a solid squad of five, maybe six. Okay. Um, they got Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris still. I like Tobias Harris a lot. Really? I think he really fits like the, the model of what today's game is. He's a big four who's strong, can shoot, can rebound, can finish in the paint. Do you think keeping him was better than keeping Jimmy Butler? Because Jimmy Butler's on the heat now. And yeah. the 76ers, which they wanted to retain both of them, but they didn't. But do you think they got the better end of the deal? Yes. I'm going to say yes just because Jimmy Butler is a lot more of a personality. Okay. Um, and then Joel Embiid, who is a great center. I will say he needs to be able to lose some weight and stay healthy. 
That's his biggest downfall. When Charles Barkley, I said this in my very first episode, when Charles Barkley's calling you out for looking a little tubby, you, that's that's a problem. That's when you need to start cutting the donuts out of here. That's when you need to cut the Chick-fil-A order. I don't, if you guys have never heard of Chick-fil-A order, I'll say it real quick. It's two sandwiches, I believe, two orders of fries, two milkshakes. That's about what I get. Then, no, it's not. I get two sandwiches, a large fry, and a large Maybe he gets four sandwiches. That's probably more. I think he gets four sandwiches, two two orders of fries, and then two milkshakes. That's that's a lot of food. So I also agree with the Sixers at the one. Um, I have the Bucks at the two seed. As do I. Um, I just, I don't. If Giannis develops a shot, I think they could be the one seed. Um, the Bucks definitely ran the East this year. I don't know if everything's going to work out the way they want them, want to. They lost Malcolm Brogdon this free agency as he went to the Pacers, who I do think could be a sleeper team. Um, after the Bucks, I have the Celtics. I really like the pickup of Kemba Walker, and they also drafted really well. They picked up a, a player who I don't know if you a lot of people have heard of him, but if you haven't, look him up. Carson Edwards out of Purdue. A great score. He's undersized, but he's a dog. Let me tell you. Electric. Electric. And then they also picked up a seven foot seven center named Taco Fall out of UCF, which a lot of people don't know if he's going to make the team. I think. Do you think Taco Fall should make the team? Yes. If you're set, no. The league needs to see him. Exactly. He'll he'll put butts in seats, and that if the Celtics aren't good, at least he'll have butts in seats. So that's my three seed. Who's your three seed? My three seed. Celtics. The Celtics, okay. And then after the Celtics at the three, I have the defending champs, the Toronto Raptors. I only have them this high because they were really good without Kawhi last year. Um, I believe they only lost like two games without Kawhi. Don't don't quote me on that. It was somewhere around that number. They didn't lose a lot of games without Kawhi. Um, I think they'll definitely, they might trade away Kyle Lowry. They might trade away Serge Ibaka. We might see a rebuild. But I think the, the Raptors are a team that could definitely make a playoff push. Do we want to get into my four seed right now? My hot take four seed. Get in, get into your four seed. Okay. I'm so, I'm just gonna say no as of right now. No, they're too young because I know who it is already. I think the Atlanta Hawks can make a push for a, a four seed in the East. I wish you guys could see me. I'm rolling my eyes there in the back of my head. That's just as Stephen A. Smith would say. That's blasphemous. We saw and stay off the weed. We saw what Trey Young did in the second half of the season. If he had had that same second half in the first half, easily would have been rookie of the year in my eyes. I'm not even going to comment on that. Me and Kay were talking about this prior to this episode, and it really got me all worked up because I think this is a typical, I'm going to call it Cadening. When an Oklahoma player is on a team and Caden has a lot more faith in them than everybody else does, it's going to be called Cadening. So I'm going to trademark that. Okay, I'm not saying Isaiah Cousins is going to come out of the Salt Lake City Jazz and win Rookie of the Year. I just don't see it. Trey Young, a top five pick last year, who was second in Rookie of the Year. I just don't think they have enough veteran help. They're only two veterans, really, that have done anything significant in their career, if you want to call it significant, are Evan Turner, who was a role player for the Portland Trailblazers, and Chandler Parsons, who was a giant waste of money. For the Rockets, and then he played on the Grizzlies. They did draft well with Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. They also have Kevin Huerter, and they have Dwayne Dead- Deadman, I believe, and they still have John Collins for sure, which they do have a great young team. I just don't think it's their turn. So moving on from that, because I don't want to get all worked up, um, I had I have the Pacers in that place. The Pacers were a team that they made to the playoffs, and they didn't get swept by the Celtics, and that was without Victor Oladipo. So with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon and um, the the gaining regaining of Victor Oladipo, I think they could definitely make a, a playoff push and maybe even a, a conference finals run because the, e- the East, as usual, is not strong. And then after the Pacers at, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, I have the Nets with Kyrie Irving leading them to a sixth seed. Um, I really have them at the sixth seed because they got – they were the sixth seed with D'Angelo Russell. So, I mean, you would think that... They also had Jared Dudley, though. The, yeah, Jared Dudley, crucial part of the team. He's on the Lakers. The La- Look out, Jared Dudley's on the Lakers. They're going to make a... That's why they're going to make their run. But no, in all seriousness, I think that if Kyrie can't lead this team to the playoffs without Kevin Durant and 
honestly having better players than D'Angelo Russell did, then it's just it'll be solidified that Kyrie Irving cannot be a leader in this league. Um, who'd you have at your six? At my six, I had the Nets. Okay, so we agree on that. Yeah. Then my seven, I had the Miami Heat. Um, I do think they had a really good offseason picking up Jimmy Butler and retaining the young core minus Hassan Whiteside that they had last year. But Hassan Whiteside really never worked out in Miami. I think this will be where we see the emergence of Bam Adebayo even more than we already saw. And then Caden's favorite rookie. Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero out of Kentucky. He had a good summer league. He did. He had a great summer league. I'll give him that. I, I just don't know if he is ready for... We know he can shoot. We know he can shoot. I don't know if he's ready to be the second best player on the team. I think he could be. Um, but the Heat are a team to look out for. They might might be able to be going to back, back to South Beach for pl- some playoff time. And then my eighth seed is Caden's four seed, I believe it was. Where'd you have the Hawks? Four. four? Okay, four. yeah. I have the Hawks at eight. I think they'll be able to squeeze in over the... The Wizards, who are simply just dysfunctional, um, they did get Isaiah Thomas in free agency, which I don't know if that's a big deal anymore. Um, it's really sad to see where his career has come to just because he gave his all for the Celtics and it just didn't pan out, and then they traded him away like chopped liver. And just to let you know, the Hawks last year beat the Sixers twice in the regular season. Mm, right, and yep. That was the, yep, the Hawks are just so great. They're, honestly, the Hawks are going to win it all, right, Caden? It's, it's not, <laughs> it's not a praising the Hawks of how good they are because they're not great. They're a good team. It's just how bad the other teams are. How bad the East is. And then well, the East is like the bottom of the world. Yeah, and then after that, I have the Pistons. Who, honestly, I didn't really. I don't know how I feel about the Pistons. They have Derrick Rose, um, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, which I think, and Luke Kennard. And then they drafted a guy named Sekou Dayumba. Something like that. Something like that. I always get his name wrong, but he's a player out of France who a lot of people think could be basically the equivalent of the French Zion, so that'll be interesting to see how he flourishes. I just don't know if they have what it takes to make it to the playoffs, and they might be able to bid for... I think, honestly, the bottom of the East, minus the Cavaliers and the Knicks, so the Magic, or minus the Hornets and the Knicks, excuse me, I think the Cavs could definitely make an eighth seed push. So... The Pistons, the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Magic. I think all those teams will be fighting for that eighth spot with the Hawks. I think that'll come down to, they'll probably, if not have a tiebreaker, they'll probably be within all five games or four games of each other. Do you like the new coach of the Cavs? Um, it was a random pickup, I thought. Um, I definitely have supported the Cavs a long time. I'm a huge LeBron fan. I still support them to this day. I don't want to seem like a bandwagon, but I do think it was a great pickup for them. I just don't know if he's an NBA coach. I think the fact that he has a lot of young players, they'll look up to him because they know who he is. I think it'd be different if it was a veteran-ridden, like a veteran full team. I don't know if a team of veterans would respect him like these players will, like a Colin Sexton, and then they also picked up Gar- Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt, a great pickup. I think those two, actually, now that I'm on the topic of it, will be like a C.J. McCollum, um, Damian Lillard-type backcourt, just better better scores. Overall, I think the NBA season is going to be crazy next year, as it always is. Um, it's going to be, oh, I don't even, I can't even put it into words. A it's whirlwind gonna, of emotions. A whirlwind of emotions, a roller coaster. It's going to be crazy. Thanks for listening to The Wind Column. I'm Kevin Borba, and he's Caden Jarvis. All right, thank you guys. And we'll see you next week.